We're the West Slot Pirates, and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports, with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above, as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skuz-Gaspo. Uh, well, we are continuing our summer previews. Uh, today we're going to be talking about Penn State, a uh, team that uh, coming off a solid, solid year. Um, 11-2, and two, uh, tied for second in the East, obviously. Uh, didn't quite get it done against Ohio State or Michigan State. Uh, that would have gotten them back to the Big Ten Championship. Um, but going into the Fiesta Bowl last year, uh, coming off a win against Washington. Um, defensively, not a lot back for them, uh, John. So, Penn State's a funny team. The word to describe Penn State's defense in 2017 would be fine, okay? Penn State's defense was fine. Penn State deserves kudos, I guess, for taking a very underperforming 2016 squad and approving upon it. What Penn State did not have in 2017 was a great defense. This is important because I think the national opinion is that Penn State did have a great defense last year. They didn't. What they had was a crap early schedule, a bunch of talented players, and luck. Penn State shut out Akron and Georgia State. They caught Michigan when the Wolverines were playing bad offensive football, and they caught Northwestern when... Well, we were all there for that. We don't need to relive it. But, uh, but, but they caught us at not a great time for Northwestern offensively. So this is the, quote, number two scoring defense in the conference. Except Penn State gave up 39 points to Ohio State, 44 points to Nebraska, and 27 points to Michigan State. So the Lions started hot, played teams that were awful or playing awful, and built a reputation that didn't hold up over the second half of the season. Penn State's defense is not great. The question is, is it on the road to being great? So one of Penn State's biggest issues last year was defensive line. Penn State had a boatload of team sacks. But again, chalk a ton of that up to the early season bloodbath when everyone on the defense was feasting. When the rubber met the road in the second half of the season, the reality is that Penn State had no defensive linemen with more than five sacks. Sharif Miller and Shakatoni are amongst a slew of guys who showed flashes as underclassmen. But now it's time for someone to step up on that defensive line. Penn State is also replacing both defensive tackles. So there's a real vacuum here with a lot of potential talent to fill it, but not a great record of that talent developing. At linebacker, Jason Cabinda is gone, and the time is now for probably the biggest recruit of the James Franklin era. So this is true freshman monster recruit Micah Parsons, number one overall recruit in the nation by some recruiting services. He's going to play, and he's going to play early in his college career at middle linebacker. The question is just how much. He may not start right away, but he could easily be starting at middle linebacker by the end of the year. There's a similar situation in the secondary. Penn State has got to replace both of its strongest players, uh, two of its strongest players in the safety, in safe, in the secondary, in safeties Marcus Allen and Troy Ackby. Ackby, Allen, and Cabinda were the main reasons that this was about the sixth best defense in the conference last year. Star 2017 cornerback recruit Lamont Wade, who Northwestern recruited and tried to recruit earlier, kind of one of these guys that you'd like to think we'd have a better chance at getting now, 
Um, but anyway, ended up at Penn State five-star recruit. Uh, is being moved to safety to help fill the void Penn State's got in the secondary. Part of the reason Penn State was eighth in the conference in pass defense uh, last year and not higher was the loss of cornerback John Reed to injury. Reed looks to be healthy now, and Amani Oruwariye is a solid number two cornerback. So, again, running it back, this group has all the makings of a solid unit defensively. The problem is that with the quality of the recruits on the field, this defense has a lot of four and not a shortage of five-star guys. Um, And the aberration that was the first half of last season... Um, There may be unreasonable expectations for this defense. I think there's a perception that this is like a top three defense in the conference, and it's not. Um, But we're talking about a solidly middle-of-the-road or better defense in the best defensive conference in the country. So this defense is probably more than good enough to support Penn State's offense. Uh, The defense should be able to handle their business more often than not. So with that said, I'm going to be really curious to hear what Scuzz has to say about the offense for Penn State. Uh, speaking of the offense, Scuzz, a um, couple big uh, shoes to fill uh, with Deshaun Hamilton gone, obviously Saquon Barkley, uh, number two pick in the draft going to the Giants. But Trace McSorley's back. So I'm going to liken this year's Penn State team on offense to uh... – the third movie in the Fast and the Furious series, Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift. In my household, that's it's just the drift. We speak very warmly. <laughs> uh, after two stunningly successful years on offense, after two major departures, uh, view Saquon Barkley as Vin Diesel and Joe Moorhead as Paul Walker right now, and one big holdover, and that's Trace McSorley as Han. Can this year's Penn State team live up to his two immediate predecessors? Well, if if we're t- if we're comparing it to the drift, the answer is a resounding yes. But I'll be curious to hear what you have to say. I don't oh, feel that John. way. <laughs> okay, we're, we're not, wow. not a Fast and the Furious pod. We can do that another time. But oh uh, man, <laughs> I don't think that I liked. I enjoyed the drift, but I don't think it holds up. Um, so look, here's the deal: Saquon Barkley was incredible for this team. Uh, just last year, 1,400 yards on the ground, 600 in the air, 400 on returns, and 23 total TDs. You literally cannot replace that. In addition, the top receiver from the last two years, Deshaun Hamilton, is gone. Uh, big-time tight end, Mike Gesicki, gone. Just like you mentioned on defense, John, Penn State has recruited so well that they have a ridiculous amount of potential talent coming in. Catastrophic losses, big com- big time incoming talent. Uh, they're just going to plug these impressive recruits in and see what happens. I think the hope is that McSorley's leadership and with a really strong O line, they can make another run at the Big Ten title. Some key names: Miles Sanders Jr., ridiculous talent at running back, would have played every down last year if Barkley wasn't on the team. He's got size. I think he's up to 225 now uh, coming into this season. He's got good speed. He was really good on returns last year when uh, people didn't kick it to Barkley. He will likely be in the top half of running backs in the Big Ten this year, if not in the top three. He's really, really good. Uh, DeAndre Tompkins and Juwan Johnston are likely to be joined uh, at wide receiver by a super recruit in Justin Shorter. He was the top wide receiver in the 2018 class. Uh, These guys used to go play for Alabama and do insane things in their first year, and instead this year the guy is coming to Penn State. 
this team always has just a bevy of TD tight ends they can turn to. Uh, Jonathan Holland is the most experienced and was a pretty high recruit. All of these targets, it's worth noting, are really big. Uh, Tom- Tompkins is listed at 5'11", and the rest of these guys that I mentioned are all 6'4". Uh, the O-line is massive. They return four starters. They're experienced. They've, uh, Franklin has recruited really well at that position. The, the point being, they have ridiculous amounts of talent all over the place. Um, our Fast and the Furious analogy breaks down a little bit when we realize that statistically on offense, uh, Penn State was better in every way in 2017 than they were in 2016. I don't think you can argue that uh, Too Fast, Too Furious was better than the original. If you do, I'll fight you. Uh, on that, we agree. <laughs> um, they happened to play Ohio State and Michigan State on the road, and they lost close games. Uh, I, and frankly, on the defense, statistically, they're a little bit better as well than they were two years ago. I do not disagree with John's statement, though, that they were not a great D. Um, you know, they reversed what happened in 2016. They blew out Michigan at home uh, versus, you know, Michigan blowing them out in the big house. And they looked really good at uh, just about every other opponent uh, with the exception of playing at Iowa points, yards, efficiency, turnovers, all equal or better. Uh, and some significantly. So uh, last year compared to the year before, and this is where Trace McSorley really comes into play. He impl- improved his completion percentage in 2017 by nine points. He went from 58% up to 67. Wow. He had, to, he had to sacrifice a yard per attempt to do it, but the dramatic increase in accuracy was worth it. Given that his yards per attempt were still above eight. Uh, Thorson's yards per attempt last year, 6.5 for comparison. And uh, there's been some, some theorizing out there that eight is kind of like a, I don't want to say a magic number, but a, a QBs above eight yards per carry or eight yards per attempt are the upper echelon in college football. Um, if you can get above that mark, you're doing really, really well. And the difference between, you know, eight and a half and nine and a half is a little bit just luck and, and wide receiver talent, et cetera. So what is going to happen in 2018? All things being equal, talent level is still super high. The experience level drops off significantly, but the the strength of schedule does as well, right? They're going to get Ohio State and Michigan State at home. I think, however, the giant, giant, giant question is the loss of offensive coordinator Joe Moorhead. He came in two years ago from Fordham. uh, Fordham. He brought his, what I frankly think is a genius offense, uh, into the Big Ten and just destroyed everybody. the, The beauty in what he did was a lot of complexity and flexibility in a very simple setup. Penn state could run a thousand things from the same sets and, uh, they, they seamlessly integrated, uh, RPO concepts. Um, Barkley was a perfect, perfect entity at running back, uh, to help support that, etc. They averaged 40 points per game both of the last two years. Penn State has not done that since the 90s. Frankly, I don't even know if they did it in the 90s. I don't have data that goes back that far at my fingertips. Um, taking Joe Moorhead's place is Ricky Rane. Now, in his favor, he has coached the quarterbacks of Penn State for the last four years. So he knows Trace McSorley really well. He has clearly helped develop him and done it well. However, it also means that he only has two years of experience with Moorhead's system. I would feel a lot better about Penn State this year if it was a Moorhead disciple who was taking over because the pre-Moorhead James Franklin-led teams were dreadful on offense. Inefficient, inconsistent, they were marred by horrific offensive line playing and boring schemes, frankly. Go back to his Vanderbilt days. His offenses were garbage. Now, I don't think it's possible for Rane to run this thing at the same level as Moorhead. It would be like me trying to drive Vin Diesel's muscle car and topping it out at 75 miles per hour. 
<laughs> really, sorry, I just, you're you know, really I'm, leaning I'm, into I'm, this I'm, one, huh? I'm really digging into it. It, it, it just, it just kind of, it just came to me as I was put it to get, putting it together. Um, I think Penn State's going to still put, produce a ton of points because the talent is there and McSorley is good and the schedule schedule is favorable, particularly on the road. But I think the OC situation and just the lack of experience and frankly the lack of of Barkley, I think it's going to cost them the Big Ten title. So we talk about their schedule. Um, they open up the season at home against App State. Uh, they go to Pitt, uh, home for Kent State. Then they get into the Big Ten at Illinois on a Friday night, uh, home for Ohio State. Then they get their bye. Uh, Michigan State at home at Indiana, home for Iowa. At Michigan, uh, Michigan's coming off thereby, just as a note. Uh, home for Wisconsin, at Rutgers, and home for Maryland. Um, the, the, cro- the cross divisions are uh, Wisconsin, Illinois, and Iowa. So, a little, t- that, a little tougher as far as the, the cross goes. Yeah, last year it was Nebraska, Northwestern, and Iowa, so... Like Illinois is obviously easier, but Wisconsin is much harder. Yeah, it's it's funny though. I mean, like the like to me, Penn State has such a hard floor, and it's like there are seven games on their schedule that they win rolling out of bed. Right, App State, Pitt, Kent State, Illinois, Indiana, Rutgers, Maryland. Those are just like half the team could show up and they'll win those games. So I'm like, to me, it's like their absolute floor is nine. Because I feel like they get a split out of Iowa and Michigan State. And I feel like they can win one of Ohio State, Michigan, and Wisconsin. So that would be nine. And then the question is, like, will they get better? And I don't know. Like, I I, I know they have to replace a lot. But with McSorley, I don't know. And, and like Scott says, they're breaking in a new OC. And I get that. But I don't know. Someone who's very, that familiar with McSorley, who I feel like is going to be their everything this year. I don't know. Like I, huh, it's like it's hard to see for me to see less than ten wins here. I mean, the fact in, the fact in, that they get in, Wisconsin at home is is a big deal. They get Ohio State at home. That's a big deal. Um, I, I would imagine both of those are going to be night games on uh, ABC. Would be more more than likely going to be the case. So so I I know there were extenuating circumstances, right? But this is Franklin's fifth year. His first two years, he went seven and six, and then Joe Moorhead showed up. He had Christian Hackenberg and, and Saquon Barkley, and they they were no good. Well, it turns out in Christian the, Hackenberg is no good. So at at the pro level, and and you could argue that's because he got ruined at Penn State by getting sacked a gajillion times. In in his first year, Moorhead increased offensive yard yardage production at Penn State by 25% and then in year two went up another 10%. I just, there's no possible way they can build on that. They have to drop off. Like, like I'm sure Ricky Rane is a good dude and smart and knows a lot of football and stuff, but Moorhead's a genius. This is like when Chip Kelly left Oregon and these, and, and Trace ain't Marcus Mariota. But it's still hard to see that. I don't know. Like, it's it's still hard to see less than nine wins here for them. Like if that's their basement, I just like I, to me like their schedule has like a couple of plateaus that it's hard for me to see them going yeah. between. Yeah, yeah, I I would I would agree with you. I mean, Michigan State Scuzzmodel loves Michigan State this year. Apparently, I just learned that as as uh, I was kind of checking in. Um, Scuzzmodel is projecting like nine and a half wins for Penn State, and I agree with you, John. I don't I don't see how they fall much below that. Unless 
unless McSorley gets injured or something. But he's going to have to be a god for them to get above ten. Like I yeah. like I mean I just to me to, for him to get past the Wisconsin and Ohio State defenses. Um, and again, well, they play they play Wisconsin the week after traveling to Michigan, the week after playing Iowa. That's going to be a really really I mean, like. You're gonna just Wisconsin just punches you in the face a thousand times, well, and and I, and I like again these stay tuned listeners for future pods. But uh, Penn State does play all four teams in this conference who are ungodly good at defense, and there is a realm of possibility where they lose all four of those games, um, and that that would be the doomsday scenario for them. I mean, they're gonna miss. Uh, Barkley, they're gonna miss Hamilton, and they're absolutely gonna miss Moorhead. And it's just how much of that drop off will lead to their schedule. If their defense can't, you know, kick it up to the next gear, they're gonna struggle. Not to mention seven of their eight top tacklers, like John mentioned. And again, like their their defense is good. It's just not bet like it's good. It's not remotely what Ohio State, Michigan State, Michigan, and Wisconsin have. Um, but I mean, Penn State could legitimately claim to have a better offense than a couple of those teams. So I don't know. I mean, it, it's a coin flip. It could go either way. I, I think nine to ten wins seems to be kind of where we're all coalescing. I'll be really interested to see what happens when they play Pitt in week two, because the, like two years ago, it was a close game that they eked out. Last year, uh, it was you know it was a game for a half, and then Penn State just kind of put the put their foot on the gas in the second half. If they mop the floor with Pitt, I'll be a bit more... I mean, Pitt's not good, right? But I'll be a bit more convinced, you could say. But if it's a dogfight in that game, oh man, look out. There's no chance they overlook App State, right? App App State is not... um, Yeah... App State is not the App State of of 2007. Yeah. And there's and again, there's a team below a certain threshold that Penn State just has way too much talent for those teams to deal with. Well, that'll just about wrap it up for our Penn State preview. Head to our website, westlotpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook. Find us on Twitter, at Pirates. You can call our voicemail line, 847-231-2287. That's 847-231-CATS. And email the show, westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. And look for us in the West Lot of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Skousby and Sam Walter, thanks so much for listening. See you next time.